welcome to Flow with Flow, a contemporary dance podcast speaking to artists, performers and everybody in between. You can follow me on flow underscore wt underscore flow underscore. You'll find more information there and please message me, get involved, have a chat and I really hope you enjoy the podcast. Today we're speaking to Shelley Eva Hayden and it's pretty exciting once again, as per usual, pretty exciting. We're jumping straight into the conversation with the big old tour, the talk of tour and it's it's quite good so I hope you have fun and I think you probably will. Thank you, see you later. So, tour, tell me about it. I'm halfway through a really hard stint. So at the moment, it's only touring Wasteland with Gary Clark Company. And I'm about to start touring another work at the same time, which is Drought Town by Rhiannon Faith Company. So at the moment, it's manageable. Um, I mean, the show's really hard, Wasteland, like extremely hard. Like my colleague in the last show went to throw up and then came back on stage <laughs> um yeah so the- I mean I did about five minutes of it in your class and it was yeah uh, did you enjoy it your class was so much fun everyone loved it everybody loved it <laughs> oh my gosh it was amazing to come back to northern and actually give a kick-ass work like that in like an in training environment because I feel like everyone was so thirsty for it yeah I think we really are I think my entire class just really wanted energy sweat all of it which I guess you probably don't get so much in training people are tired <laughs> yeah right I mean, it's so repetitive and a bit monogamous and though although you have different guest teachers you have this well you have a routine and the whole point in training is that you have to practice the same thing again and again like that's that's the point of a lot of training so uh, I felt the thirst and I was so, yeah, honoured and grateful that I got to like inject something different. Um, and the energy was amazing. Which which year group did I have? Second year? Second year, yeah. Uh, so then, <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, you're in the middle of everything. It's probably really weighted. I see it like a, like a funnel. You've got first year here, third year there, and there's like funneling. Yeah. And everyone starts to really feel the like, oh my gosh, I'm going to graduate in a year and then I'm professional. Like second year, you start to panic a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, to answer your question on tour, I think it's manageable right now. Although the work is extremely tough and hard in like you might have a little tweak in your body or and then you have to do a show or then you have to teach your workshops because we've got lots of outreach on the side of the shows. It's, it's quite an intense tour. It's compared to other tours I've done, it's quite an intense package that you sign up for. But in in that way, the, the reward is almost um, uncomparable because you have so many communities that you reach and people that you teach and wraparound activity that makes it that extra bit special, but as well more exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine performing Wasteland once, let alone on a tour. 
You'd be surprised. I bet you can. I bet. I think dancers are incredible. We all are. There's such resilience in us to keep going regardless of, just to keep going full stop. Like you have to really push for an industry like ours. I mean, you have to really, really enjoy it to do it. Because dance is like incredibly hard. And then the prospect when you leave is basically what you're, you know, no money, no social life. <laughs> it's like, then why am I doing it? <laughs> so it's, Honestly. Like, it's like a lot of work for what feels like pretty close to zero reward. And I'm sure that's not how it feels when you're out and about, but that's definitely how it's fed to you, which is probably necessary because otherwise you get, you know, it's good to just be realistic about it but I mean you definitely have to really have a reason you're doing it because it's not going to be it's not going to be the usual reasons people work I mean you've hit the nail on the head like Flo I love that because I'm constantly year after year researching into myself to always answer the question why am I doing it because if I if I can never do a year or a stint without answering that question it's so hard for me to continue because of, like you say, the reward of the fee and the of being away from home and the many other factors that make it such a hard career choice. And the, the, the one thing that you have to pin on is the fact that you love it. So every year I have to resource that love and only pick jobs that reflect why I've why I dance. So I've just done a DYCP from Arts Council to to channel my career in a new direction because I do create work, but I want to do more of that. And I've asked the questions, part of my research is, okay, what do I want to say with my work? And what am I interested in changing in the industry? So I spent a whole year like with funding from Arts Council, getting paid very well to research that, that, that question and to also make sure that I inject that into others that come and work for me or dance with me or that experience my practice so that's been such an incredible year for me tell me about the research how are you researching that because I know there's a lot of research in practice or yeah so okay mixture of things I had various manifesto mentors that have explored the idea of manifestos um, and manifesto is basically a a publication or a manifestation of what your beliefs are as an artist and your intentions are as an artist so a lot a lot of political parties do it you know this is me this is what I'm about if you vote for me this is what I, I will serve uh so I work with a lot of manifesto mentors. So one of them was like Dr. Polly Hudson. She's a researcher in Birmingham. I work with Theo Klinkard, who has devised many manifestos in his choreography. So he might have a piece of work and say, okay, this piece of work is going to have a manifesto as a program note, which I found really interesting. Um, yes, so manifesto mentors, uh, also days with choreographers, in which I can explore their practice, because I have my own practice, but I was interested in also how other people work. And the interesting thing about that is that I realized my gift, because a lot of people with a practice would come to the studio, but then they'd walk away with something from me. 
And that gave me this uh, real reassurance that I can gift things to dancers. And I've got a practice that that does something for people. Like even, you know, a lot of choreographers that are more older than me or perhaps can make them work a lot longer came away um, emotional or touched or with a different thought perspective. So it was really, like, really nourishing. Um, as well as my manifesto studio practice, just doing a lot of research online about work that, that sparks me for any particular reason and also going to see lots of stuff. So if any of your colleagues or any of your friends interested in DYCPs, you can be funded to go and watch shows. You can be funded for uh, equipment. You could be funded for time uh, to go and train with a particular practitioner that you adore. So just to put that out there, it's such a valuable thing. Can you tell me more about that process? How do you apply for that? So I'm, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say I'm extremely lucky, but I'm, I'm, my uh, gift, my, my curse is a gift and my gift is a curse um, because I'm dyslexic since finding out at Northern actually that I was dyslexic. And the, the curse of that is that for many years, I didn't apply for funding. It scared me. The thought of sitting in front of a laptop, the thought of ticking boxes, the thought of uh, this money and what to do with it. The the world felt too um, inaccessible for me. So for years, I shied away from it. It was one of my incredible mentors, Gary Clark, that sat me down one day and said, why aren't you creating work? I see you in the studio. You're such a creative you were born to say something why haven't you made work already and um, um so I answered his question why aren't you making work with a simple answer which was dyslexia <laughs> and he had he said to me Shelley do you have any idea how um I get money for the shows and how I produce my shows he's like I use a producer via voice notes I don't write so that is my worst nightmare. That gives me absolute fear. <laughs> I exchange voice notes with my producer. And that's, obviously there's more to it, but that's the premises of how we write bids and make work. Um, and it took one phone call to a producer that I know to say, can you recommend a producer for me? I had a Zoom meeting with that producer. And then it took one email to the Arts Council to say, I have dyslexia. Please, can you provide me with funding for an access support worker? All they do is basically reply to the email and say, what's the fee? So what does your producer want to be paid? The producer answers questions and then you have an access support writer paid to write your bid before you've even, I might not even, the the bid I've just submitted, I might not even get the funding. I mean, fingers crossed, but I, so they paid someone to write that bid for me. So it's extremely accessible. Only if you know you can do that though. That's amazing. It's incredible. It's changed everything. These are the sorts of things everyone needs to know. And people don't know about it. So 
already in the space of a year, I've now put two bids in because it, I didn't feel the weight of it because I was bringing with ideas and I could send voice notes and I could do, like I love um, the way I uh, put ideas together is through visual imagery, bold keywords, videos. Like I've sent my producer my work via visual excitement. They've translated it into facts, figures, arts council lingo. And you didn't have to pay for that. And I didn't have to pay for that. The arts council paid to make it more accessible for someone like me. That's amazing. It's it's like balmy, and people. I mean, I went seven years without knowing it. So it's it's yeah, it's it's a shame because actually, there's times in my life where I really had an idea, or you yeah. know, and missed and just thought, mm. oh no. Um, but it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So, like, a, my access support worker charges, you know, they vary, but around two fifty um, per day, and the arts council will pay for that. So, you know, you're looking at two grand, three grand, five grand. They pay someone to then write the bid for you. It's it's um, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. That's such a good system as well. Because also a lot of artists and dancers aren't made to write things like that down. I mean, if you asked me to write a bit, I would... I mean, I might start crying. It's hard to tell, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I just it just sends me away from yeah. anything creative. Like, you know, all my ideas I've just put under the carpet for ages because I just knew that to get them I needed money. And to do that, I had to look at Arts Council application of course I'm not I'm like put my hands in the air you st I still have to confront all those awful things I still have to proofread a you know a 50 page doc like I still have to face it you can't run from it um but not to the same extent I guess and also it's yeah it's going to be a lot better yeah 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 exactly exactly and it and it's it's just also feeling like you're holding hands with someone I mean, for anyone, we all need that, even if we're fantastic at writing. I mean, I actually think the fantastic writers out there, the people that are making, they still don't enjoy arts bids. They want to be in the studio making. I think at the end of the day, we all just need someone to hold hands with. And it's amazing that the arts council are actually paying for that person. Uh, so, yeah. So I really hope that um, the word gets out. I mean, I'm obviously letting all my colleagues know and... Hopefully someone listens to this and they go, oh, my gosh, I can do that. So tell me about the work you're applying um, to be able to do. Well, this is, I mean, I can say bits and bobs. I'm, okay, give us a little insight. I am super excited about this one. So I worked on Commonwealth Games opening ceremony as choreographer and dance captain in July last year. And also to have a six-month contract as a freelancer is pretty nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it makes you, like, I was just like, oh, I can relax for six months. I mean, I wasn't relaxed at all. It was one of the most stressful gigs of my life. It, it actually feels like a bit of a trance. When I think of it, I was like, was I just in a trance state the whole time? Like, I was so alive, but at the same time, it felt like such a dream because of the buzz. Um, but I... I uh, felt like someone had lit the fire during that process because um, 
like you, I've always had so much energy and like nowhere to put it and hence dancing and all those other things, but also felt the need that uh, I can't anymore in my career be a body in space. I've got, I've so much more to say. Um, I've got so much more to share. I've got so many like nuggets of knowledge that I want to pass on. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm brimming and I'm at the the stage of wanting to do more, give more and, and, and feel that what I do has a higher purpose. And Commonwealth Games for me was the click because from the moment we had auditions, we had people from all over the country, even across the globe, come to just want to volunteer to do something new, to find new friends, to be a part of this global event, to be on TV, to learn choreography, to have these wild costumes. Like they, people were traveling to be a part of something, to be a part of art. And that's where I was like, this is the key. And I dated every day. I saw people that were thankful, emotional, excited, turning up, supporting one another. And all through the means of music and dance. And it was just mind blowing. And that's where I felt my power as a leader. You know, the things that I was saying, the way that I was um, communicating the choreography or the warm ups, the, the eyes that I had coming back at me, that they, I was good at it. I was really good at, at leading this mass and holding the attention of a mass crowd. Um, and also, yes, I was good at it, but I was also like, this is my next path. In some way, I'm going to get here. I'm going to continue working with uh, people because it's people that I'm interested in. Um, so I've made works before with professional dancers. and But what I'm interested in is, is how we can change lives of professional dancers and community members and members of the public. So my next project, I'm inviting pro dancers to my process, but not to dance, to find out what their gifts are as facilitators. So they can, like me, realize their gifts, that they're not just a body. So can I work with my professional dancers? Yes, to embody and perform this amazing work to help the communities so that they've got people to follow and exchange with um, and strong, confident people in the space. But can my pro dancers also leave my process feeling like they've progressed? Not So can they, did they want to challenge themselves to lead a room of 50 people? Did they want to lead professional dance classes for the, the dancers in the room. Do they want to practice writing? Is there something that uh, me and the team can work on with, with one of the dancers practicing writing? And we, can we bring that to them, the community? You know, how can I lift and propel the professionals in the space? And that's so powerful. Yeah, it's really cool, right? Um, the people I'm working with don't even know that yet. <laughs> And then when it comes to the community and why I'm interested in working with them. So this will be a co-creation because I've often been a part of community events or 
or shows where um and it's not to diminish that it's just a wit i've just witnessed that that the community you learn something um and perform it but i'm really interested and again, like the pro dancers, how I can propel the community. So how can I ask the community to create? Uh, so they see themselves as makers, not just performers. So I'm going to be collecting their stories and we're going to co-write a structure for the work. Um, uh, and we're going to talk about hopes that they want in their life. Um, and we're going to imagine that they that they step forward with with challenges or or moments in their life where they need to change things. But it's going to be about em empowering them and everyone in the space. But the, the premise of the work is going to be a dance film. And it is going to be in Mosley Road Swimming Baths, which was an Edwardian grade two listed heritage building in the heart of Birmingham. Built in 1907, but only for first class men. So there's two pools and only men were allowed to swim in the pools and women were in small rooms in corridors and they could only bathe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it just, my, it just, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind. So I yes, look at how far we've come. Brilliant that we can swim. Well, duh. Um, but also looking back at what we didn't have and just going, this is this is a problem then, and it's still a problem now. Globally, we have women dying. You know, um, we still have a fight for pay. Not maybe not in this country, but there are 153 countries elsewhere that still don't don't let women have the equality in the workplace for rates um so it just goes on and on and on but so the fight's still happening um and to to pull it in short this film will see 50 women from the community of Birmingham um like swell and swarm and swim in a space which once didn't belong to them yeah it's beautiful and you should see you should see the pool it's it's phenomenal. It's drained. Obviously, there's no water in it. It's just so gothic and grand and historic. And it's got so many emotions in it. Uh, so it's really exciting. Fingers crossed. Cross your fingers that we get the funding. Please. We'll be crossing our fingers all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only risk, and I'm learning all this as I do more council bids is that you you know ideally you're meant to put in enough time for a bid that fails and then another bid so you know but because the pool is going through renovation I only have until June which means if I don't get the funding that's it I've got no time to resubmit because the pool is being refurbished so it's let's just see if it doesn't happen it's it's I always I've got the, the great outlook in life of just like it, I will just know it wasn't meant to be and that the idea will um is ruminate the right word when something goes I'm not sure yeah maybe well we're using it it'll ruminate yeah ruminate I just no, it's fine. But hey we can make up our own word that was part of my manif manifesto actually it was make up your own words so if it's not uh 
as in the idea will never leave my brain and I would just may have to do it a year later in a different space, you know, but I'm, I'm doing it and I'm not doing it for me. I'm really doing it for those women because they're 50 women are the women that mostly I met during Commonwealth Games and I want to continue the legacy for art for them. They're like this waiting to do something else. Like I get emails <laughs> like, and that's the, that's another disappointing thing for me is like all these people we connected with on Commonwealth Games, the cast of over a thousand are then dropped with nothing to do. So I, I feel this responsibility to really care and create opportunity. And that's a, that's a heavy weight. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it, the weight is heavy, but um, someone used to do it. And, and to go right back to the start of our chat, it's answered my question. Like doing projects like this is, although it's a heavy weight, it's a great weight because it's the reason why I keep going. If I didn't have people like them in my mind, I probably would have, you know, changed career by now. But I can see what I can do to other people's lives via dance. It's amazing. That's so exciting. Crossing the fingers. Please, Arts Council. And if I don't get it, it just means that I can, like, because imagine doing Wasteland Tour, Drown Town Tour, and this project. Like, when have I got time to, like, I'll have, I'm going to have to squeeze everything in to make this happen. I'll be dead by the end. <laughs> so if you don't get it it's okay it will just cook a bit more in your brain and then next year year after and it means that you know I'll I'll actually have time to breathe between shows because if yeah. imagine if I get it I'm gonna have to even between every show I'm gonna have to be you know sending contracts ringing up community members prepping all the prep uh researching <laughs> so there'll be there's negatives and positives yeah. so you okay. know Whichever way it goes, I'm ready for it. Yeah. And then, so we've covered your work. Can you tell me a bit about leaving training, becoming becoming the professional you are? So when I left, a lot of people were going for Verve. And I really knew, I didn't even question it. I just knew that wasn't going to be my path. Because I've always had this... I don't know if it's my parents or the way I was brought up, but this confidence and faith that I'm ready, that it'll always be okay and that I'm just, maybe it's ADHD, I don't know. I'm just charged with energy. I don't know. I just, I as soon as I was in third year and I was, I was finished, I was like, why would I stay? I'm going, I'm ready. Whoa, let's go see what the world has to offer. I felt fearless. I, post-grad wasn't for me. Um, so, ah, there was then two auditions that went really well. So I did one for Phoenix. They had a fellowship program. It was to basically join their company, but as a fellow. And I don't really understand. I mean, that was nine, 10 years ago now. I'm not sure. Can't really remember. I actually got offered that um, and was really excited. I don't know how I felt about staying in Leeds a year longer. Cause again, that I felt ready to really flee the nest. Um, but I was offered it and I was going to go for it. And the BBC were funding that fellowship. And then the BBC just cut the funding room and they just changed their mind. So then I didn't do that. And I went for an audition with Rosie Kay. Um, and that was more exciting for me because the work was so physical. It was five soldiers. 
and there was only one female role and at that point although I was a recent graduate I had this attitude of like one female in a whole show I could do that like what a cocky bitch honestly what a cocky bitch thinks that she can be get to your auditions I guess school <laughs> as a recent graduate one you can't even get auditions easily if you're a recent graduate because you have to have three years experience so what on earth was I thinking and like you know to no one even knows you. Like, come on, what do you think you're gonna get what you know, the solo role in, in the show? What you get down your free pedestal. But again, confidence and fearlessness. And that's what that female soldier role needed, and that's what I had. So I ended up getting the job. <laughs> um look, it did help that I, you know, was from the West Midlands and before training, I was, you know, really plugged in and I was, I was very, I was at everything. I was hungry. So I'm pretty sure that they saw my face before I was on their radar. So that, you know, it helps. So I got that job and then ended up being with that company for three years. But as you, as you may be aware, um, the company has now been cancelled and um, been publicly named as uh, transphobic and many other things. So my, I, you know, my time there wasn't pleasant. Uh, I encountered bullying and abuse and really nearly fell out of dance. Like, honestly, I didn't think I could do it anymore. And for someone like me that's got such a willpower... I was shocked that I ever got in that position and seeing myself in that position made me realize what is happening to you. Like you have to be pushed quite far to get to that point. Yeah. And, oh, I hate him talk. God, I thought I was over it, but I feel a bit. Better. Um, so I, I chose to step away from the company. It was really hard because to, to say something like that to someone who intimidates you and who has a hold over you is extremely hard but I had to I saw how um unhappy and ill I was and I just I just had to um and it's amazing you found that the strength to do that as a you know the first job after graduating there's this one moment when because I think it was my second year with her so 2016 I don't know maybe I was 20 um I got really um I went into quite a uh, a scared state in the studio and and got very overwhelmed with fear and trance like my all my my fight or flight mechanisms were going crazy and I started to like my body started to freeze in the space and she pulled me out and basically said you're not doing your job and um many other threatening things that I don't need to go into and I was in I was having a panic attack in absolute tears and I don't think uh she'd ever like I, I don't know but it was like face to face and it and she could see I was weak. And instead of trying to comfort me, she was basically saying, you're not doing your job because you're not moving. Um, you're starting to really flake and you, you're not doing your job. And you need to remember that this is the first job out of your training and I am your reference. 
so you need to do your job and I was, <laughs> in that point I was like this is pure evil now like I, I can't do my job because everyone knows I do my job really well I try 100% everything I do I love what I do I always try my hardest the reason I can't do my job is because I'm terrified I'm getting abused I'm getting attacked if my body's not letting me do something that's massive alarm bells and the resilience is what I'm in myself even as a young person turned around and said I mean I was blubbering like (laughs) but I remember turning around and saying um you will never stop me from dancing from doing what I I I love I said I I was blubbering but I said you would never stop me because she basically said you know I'm your next reference and I can affect your work and no one will employ you that's what she was basically saying and I my brain just went this is evil and actually you won't stop me and she didn't stop me I I had the courage to leave and it took me a long time to rebuild yeah and look at me now, like, fuck you, Rosie Kay, <laughs> fuck off. Like, honestly, I had the courage, even though I was terrified and getting abused, to turn around and say, you won't stop me, and she will not. Um, and actually, if anything, it's fueled me. I really want to protect dancers. I really want to create practice that never allows that in my arms. Like, I am, mm. it's my mission more than anything now because I've seen how bad it can get. Yeah, and dancing alone is a vulnerable state. So being put in any kind of fear while you're doing it is just awful. And I pray that I pray that every dancer that's been in a situation like that also finds the same strength to not be stopped oh, yeah. by it. I really, really hope so. Yeah. And I hope that they just people like this just stop getting flipping funded. Or, you know And I guess this is where we come in because yeah, actually I was gonna say we need to work together. We need to get things heard. You like we are often seen as the small dancers, the, the ones that get you know the employees. But actually, when we stand together and we talk, we've got so much power. You don't need to push me or abuse me or be strict with me. I'm an adult, and if you employ the right people, the right people will want to work for you and will work hard. You don't have to scream at them, and. Um, and it's in its gems and like you know it's taken me a long time and now I'm in a really privileged position of being able to pick who I work with and having years of resilience and like you know and now those people that I call it my glitter circle and I have this glitter circle of collaborators and artists that I constantly work with and I constantly select obviously new projects come along but you find out who sits in your glitter circle and those choreographers um, or companies that I return to, they treat me with such respect, well pay, like an adult, you know, equal non-hierarchical space spaces where I'm shine and sh- where I'm able to shine and I'm enabled. And they've not shouted at me once. And actually, I am because of that, I am able to actually like bash my back myself about on stage. Am I able to give you more because I actually want to work harder for you? You know? Yeah. And what would your advice be to how do we all learn to create a safe space when we're making work? Like, what would be your advice? Like, is there sort of some, I don't know, even some sort of training people need to be doing while they're, or um, what am I trying to say? Like, a process people need to go through to learn how to hold that space and create that space. 
my gosh, it's so hard because like no one's perfect and I, I make mistakes. Everyone does. As long as you're trying and you sincerely mean it with your heart. So again, I'm still learning now. I'm doing everything I can. Um, so there is an equity safe spaces statement that you can print off. And I'm really proud when I go to venues around the country when I'm touring and I see that statement. It's a statement about bullying and harassment. And if that is up in your space, that's the first step. Second step is uh, just remembering that the dancers in the space are are human with thoughts and emotions and that they're going to enter the room with that. Um, I advise checking in and checking out every day. It doesn't take long, but it's really important that that check-in is confidential and that you don't use that information to fuel the process or uh, use it as fuel. Again, Rosie Kay did that in the past. Awful, what I saw her do. Um, so again, those check-ins are confidential um, and also when the person is speaking that you don't um, you don't respond or change their thought process so that when they're holding the object, you really let that dancer speak without any interruptions or feeling of um, hierarchy. You just let them speak. Checking in, checking out at the end of each day. So we've got, yeah, the equity safe spaces document. Checking in and out every day. Um, asking what your dancers need and creating a, a structure for each day that has been built from your dancers' needs. So on day one, you might enter the space of the process and say, okay, everyone, um, write down what your needs are. Okay, and then you all come together and you co-create your days. So it might be that someone needs low light because of a reason and we all ensure that we've kind of always got the good good lighting but your dancer equity says you always need a break minimum every three hours so you have to have that 15 minute break every three hours so you as a group can decide when you'd like to break okay Flo when do you start to get hungry okay around that time would that suit all you other dancers because Flo said her biggest need is hunger so okay we're all gonna break at that time it is my biggest need <laughs> <So> <laughs> okay food um, the hour lunch, of course, is essential. And um, no more than an eight-hour day. There's all these kind of terms, but what's beautiful is you can work together on the Monday or whenever your process starts and create a community that, where you've led that structure. Um, it might be that, so for example, like I always ask for my needs with um, sound and sensorial stuff. So I'm amazing. I love to go away and create things. I could work for hours, but I know that I might need um, my, my AirPods in and I might not need too many people around me, but I'll just, I don't cause a fuss. I just like, oh, do you mind if I go work, work in the corridor? Because I'll come back with way better stuff if I go do that. Um, so that kind of stuff. And then just, just, just constantly educating yourself so like when I like I, I hold my hands up I'm not perfect I did an R&D when I was really young and I wasn't aware of like the the kind of legislation the kind of equity contract so I did two sharings with um my dancers and didn't realize that each sharing day has a fee you know at the time I know that now but at the time I was young I slipped up I didn't realize okay they need an extra performance day fee because that's sharing it's classed as a performance so you learn 
and you just say okay I, I apologize work with me on this I'm still learning but you dancers are my first priority you know it's really important that you just you listen to what's being heard and you don't bite back or attack you all work together it's so good to hear someone's insight in that because it's so it's so difficult to navigate when you're young um but I think you're right when you say it's the main like as long as you're thinking about it and really open to learning yeah and it's, it's thing. and again it's a safe practice like it took me a while to really understand how choreo- safe choreographers work because it was so I came from such a different world but this beautiful thing that it actually made me cry when um I saw Gary in the studio once and um in fact, Rhiannon does it as well. But when they see dancers moving and they're not quite getting what they want artistically, um, an abusive, negative, unsafe choreographer would be like, they can't do it like me. They're not serving the purpose. That's awful. Do it again. Change it. Do it faster. But a, a good choreographer, a safe choreographer, always reflects that work back on himself and goes, ah, as a director, maybe I need to change the task maybe I'm not given the right instructions this dancer is a dancer that I've auditioned and picked and I love them I've picked them for a reason this the reason this is not um coming out how I want it is because of me not the dancer like the the wrong uh, directors blame the dancer and often it's about what can I do what have what instructions can I give can I say it differently maybe they have access needs and I need to draw what I draw what I want instead of say what I want you know it's like and you know like I said no one's perfect you know I'm I'm really aiming to be that choreographer and I really feel that I am but now and again I might fuck up but I hope but I have a dance, the dancers in the space feel safe enough around me to communicate that with me. And then I go, oh, okay, come on, let's be that choreographer. Um, this is a, this is so nice to hear someone go into the details of what it actually looks like to be a safe choreographer. Um, I realise you've got a meeting in six minutes. It's actually been cancelled, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm glad about. Um, but just on that safe, safe thing, um, and again, another thing I wrote in my manifesto and found this through working with Rachel Kay, who's a hip hop um, contemporary maker in London. We were talking about what's safe. And we were like going around on the question. She has this really nice approach, which is you cannot ever technically create what's safe for someone because you don't know what is safe for someone. Something that might trigger someone else might not trigger you. You might create what you think is safe. Like I might put a room full of my squishies and think that that's safe, but because that, for me, that's my comfort. And then that actually could trigger or disturb someone, you know? Um, so we have this, we spoke about this nice approach, which is ask for what is safe and do your best to provide it. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice thing to finish on if we're thinking of wrap up, wrapping up. <laughs> I'm in your circle now, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited about that, to be honest. <laughs> my glitter circle of my dog and Shelly. Yay! Where's the triangle then? Love triangle. Aw, little love triangle with my <laughs> with my mongrel. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. No, thank you for joining. It's been a really inspiring chat. No, oh, I'm glad.
It's amazing. And I really hope to be in a studio with you again soon. It was such, oh it was such a nice class. Well, keep keep in touch because obviously I'm making more of my own work now. And my door's mm. always open. Like the, I honestly never say no. The door's really open. Well, are you in Birmingham at the moment? Yeah, always. I'm a I'm always. a proud me. You'll find me here. That's right. I've been in Birmingham really recently. My friend lives there. So. Okay, well, there you go. Maybe I'll, I'll, yeah, well, I will definitely be in touch. I'd love to work with you again. Yeah, and lovely to see you. No, it's been so nice. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day with your glittery walls and your cats. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm doing more project stuff, but I'm going to get out the house for that Oof, and have it see my lovely friend. So, yes, oh, got to got to see some friends, maybe have a pint, relax. Why have you put that in my brain? It's only one o'clock, but yeah, I'd love a Guinness. <laughs> Shall I go <laughs> I love Guinness. I'll be touring but... and working really hard next week, so I think I can treat myself to a oh, yeah, Guinness. You deserve it. Have a week of drinking Guinness with a cat and some friends. Kind of what I was planning anyway. Great minds, great minds. Oh my, that was, I, I'm doing that this week as well. This is my week off. Yay! Okay, I'll be thinking nice of you. I'll cheers my Guinness to the air. That's yeah, great. I'll cheers it to you. I'll do it tonight. I'll just say it in my head. As people think I'm weird, but I'll just go to feel. Shelly. <laughs> Right, I look forward to cheersing our Guinnesses. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank Have you a so good much. Day. Have yeah. a lovely night. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you had a really good time. I'll see you next Tuesday. And again, you can check out more on the Instagram. Flow underscore WT underscore flow underscore. And until then... Goodbye.